Welcome to Watershed's October podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the head of programme at Watershed. Dutch-born photographer Anton Corbin was drawn to the drab, declining industrial north of England in the late 1970s by the sounds of a new wave of new music. This music had the energy and drive of punk, but was imbued with a more profound poetic sensibility. The band he heard were Warsaw, who then changed their name to Joy Division. They were the children of Bowie and Punk, and defiantly Mancunian. Manchester defined them in the way that New York defined Talking Heads, Seattle defined Nirvana. Corbin, drawn by the sound, started to document the music scene for the New Musical Express. He created some of the most iconic black and white photographs of the era, capturing bands like Depeche Mode, U2 and Echo and the Bunnymen. He went on to make pop videos of many of the bands he photographed. For more information on Corbin, have a look at his fantastically designed website at www.corbin.co.uk. Corbin's warm, rich, dense black and white style infuses his directorial feature, Control. The film charts the evolution of Joy Division in the mid to late 1970s and the increasingly emotionally fraught complex life of their frontman, Ian Curtis to his untimely suicide in 1980 at the age of just 23. This is no ordinary musical biopic, the journey of an obviously talented musician from obscurity to stardom. Instead, Corbin centres the film around the strains emerging in Curtis's life. His evident love of music and poetry of a transformative nature, William Wordsworth and the aforementioned Bowie and Punk. The pool of northern working-class tradition, getting married, settling down. The pool of the creative impulse, his writing and music. What I found intriguing whilst watching Control is that it feels as though it's capturing a long-forgotten era. The music still sounds energetic and achingly new, but the setting feels centuries away, yet it was only 30 years ago. The black and white of course contributes to this, but it is more the absences. No mobile phones, no internet, basically no real mass communication. It is the story of a music born of the sweat of clubs, of live performance and the bloody-mindedness of Mancunian spirit. Compared to, say, the Arctic Monkeys, Joy Division were almost pre-technology. They were also pre-X-Factor. There is now a sense that being on television equates with being talented and that being talented is being seen on television. There is a great scene where Joy Division tour Europe. All you see is the band setting off in a Ford Transit. They come back in a Ford Transit and head to the pub. This is music as hard, invariably unrewarding graft, certainly not glamorous. Yet however small their output, the ripples from Joy Division seem to be getting bigger. Look at the extraordinary energy of the live performances on YouTube and weep that the television crew didn't hold on Curtis's angular explosive performance for longer. Control is Corbin's testament to one of the UK's most talented bands and singer-songwriters. Sam Riley and his co-performers do an incredible job, and when you discover that very few tracks are mined, you realise the scale of their achievement. One final note, Control features the indefatigable presence of Tony Wilson, chief architect of the Manchester music scene. Wilson co-produced Control, and this is the second time he has been portrayed in a film the first being in Michael Winterbottom's 24-hour party people, played by Steve Coogan. 
Wilson died a couple of months ago and control is in no small way a testament to his vision and spirit. October at Watershed also sees a follow-up to marking 200 years since the Act of Parliament which legislated for the abolition of slavery. In March this year we invited writer and creator Karen Alexander to talk about screen depictions of slavery throughout the history of cinema. This was in the context of Michael Radford's new film Amazing Grace about William Wilberforce and the abolitionist's attempt to change the laws on slavery. One finds that a lot of the depictions of slavery in the mainstream are, however well-intentioned, from white perspectives. Steven Spielberg's Amistad springs to mind. This month, Karen has counterpointed that with a season of films and talks which looks at how black and radical filmmakers have reclaimed slavery as a topic for cinematic exploration. Too Good to be Forgotten features rarely seen or little-known films which explore and celebrate the survival of the black family and black lives across history and time. Ousmane Semben, the great African filmmaker and founding father of African cinema, who died in June of this year, said that his job as a filmmaker was to decolonise history. The films in this season use stories to personalise history and raise a dialogue about the meaning of liberation and freedom. They deliver a more sobering take on the long shadow slavery has cast over the civilised world. Films include Haile Grima's Sankofa, which pulls few punches as it transports a decadent fashion model back to life on a plantation. Gilo Pontecorvo's Quemada sees an opportunistic Marlon Brando spreading the seeds of rebellion on a fictional Caribbean island. More contemporary stories emerge with the landmark British film Burning an Illusion from 1981. Shot around Notting Hill in London, it is a love story which traces the emotional and political growth of a young black woman who encounters sexism and racism. Burning an Illusion was the first British film to give a central voice to a black woman. This week's introductory film in the season is Charles Burnett's To Sleep With Anger. This is one of my all-time top ten films. It is one of those films which manages to tell a familiar story. It's about a family, and let's face it, we all share that experience. Yet introduces a subtle depth which evokes the American Deep South, the ghosts of slavery, and the tension between the city and the country. It can be read in many different ways, and yet is an entertaining family drama with characters of real depth and substance. Danny Glover has never given a finer performance in my mind. Spike Lee, Jim Jarmusch, John Singleton and Steven Soderbergh got the coverage as the new wave of indie American cinema in the late 80s and early 90s, but Charles Burnett is the original voice and spirit of that movement in my mind. His classic Killer of Sheep from 1977 is being re-released, not before time I have to add, later this year and can be seen at the forthcoming London Film Festival. If you get the opportunity, try and catch up with Burnett's beautifully observed radical work. Karen's season is presented in association with a range of activities across the country for Black History Month. For more information, look at the following website, www.black-history-month.co.uk. That's all for this month. For more of what is happening at Watershed, visit us at watershed.co.uk on the World Wide Web.